This is the Gestalt IT Rundown. I'm your host, Ken Nalbum. Joining me is my co-host, the often imitated but never deduplicated, Stephen Foskett. Welcome to the show, Stephen. Thanks, Ken. I'm never deduplicated. That's good to know. Absolutely. Got to start off with the storage joke for my boss. We are here today live at the uh, SolarWinds studios, or offices rather. Uh, and uh, Stephen, do you want to tell everybody what we're doing here this week before we kick off the news? Yeah, sure. So this week is Tech Field Day. Um, and Tech Field Day, we bring a independent uh, a panel of a dozen independent influencers from around the world to meet with companies in their space. And this uh, time around, we're here in Austin, Texas. And as you can see over my shoulder, we're actually at the SolarWinds office today. Um, Ken is actually on the other side of this wall. Um, and they were gracious enough to let us use their office. So we're going to be gracious enough to put their logo behind us. How's that sound? Um, so SolarWinds is actually presenting on Friday. Uh, if you tune in uh, Friday morning um, Central Time, uh, we will be broadcasting live from the SolarWinds office and uh, with uh, Tech Field Day. That's right. So let's go ahead and kick it off with a uh, GDPR-related story. Cisco is joining Apple, IBM, and the other tech companies in calling for better privacy regulation in the U.S. Chief Legal Officer Mark Chandler told the Financial Times, we believe that GDPR has worked well and that with a few differences, that is what should be brought in the U.S. as well. The only exception for Chandler is the right to be forgotten from search engines. There seems to be a, a realization that national privacy regulation is coming so will we see something closely modeled to GDPR or maybe something more focused on business to business transactions here in the US? What do you think, Stephen? Well, I think that uh, this seems to be a trend. Um, you know, I'm no good at uh, knowing what's gonna happen in the future, but it does seem to be a trend now that companies are starting in the US are starting to say, uh, you know, we need something like GDPR. And I think one of the interesting aspects of this is in many cases, um, you know, I don't wanna make any accusations about Cisco, but I think a lot of companies aren't necessarily all that keen on GDPR as they are keen on having a uniform set of rules and regulations worldwide. And they're tired of the, the, the hassle of saying, do you have anybody who's subject to GDPR and maybe we have to change how we do things. So that, that's my take on it. I think that companies are kind of cynically saying, okay, it exists. We better do that here too, just so that it's uniform. Gotcha. Do you think, though, at the same time that there's basically the need for this because we've seen countless cases of corporations just being poor stewards of the data that they're holding on everybody in the country and the world, for that matter? Well, that's the, I guess that's the big problem with GDPR is that companies are really bad at this stuff and um, losing the data right and left. And I think it's pretty likely that a lot of companies are uh, not too happy to be subject to these kind of laws. Um, on the flip side... Well, I, I tell you one thing, if I was running for uh, president, um, that would be a plank on my platform to have uh, some sort of control over data privacy. I think um, Americans are starting to learn that this is a big problem. How do you, what do you think, Ken? I mean, uh, you know, you, you, you uh, know something about this space. I, something needs to be done basically to hold those corporations with just mounds upon mounds of data accountable for the security and governance of the data, right? Because they've shown time and time again that whether it be you know poor controls on their part or just lapses in security that they're not up to the test and they're maybe that's just not making it a priority, right? Because what does it add to revenue to be more secure in most cases? Well, probably not a lot. Absolutely. Um, so um, up next, um, you know, we've got some news out of Intel. Those of us following Intel like me, 
um, have uh, been waiting to hear who would be taking over as CEO. And uh, now we know. And, um, you know, just like uh, uh, just like Dorothy and, and her ruby slippers, um, you know, Intel, you've had him inside all the time. Um, you know, the, the, the answer is Bob Swan. Um, he's been part of the company already. Um, and he will be taking over as CEO uh, pretty quick. Now, the interesting aspect to this is that, um, you know, what's being reported, and I don't, I don't have any inside information about this, but what's been reported is that a lot of the folks were saying, wait, I thought he didn't want it. I thought he wasn't going to take it um, because he seemed like somebody that they would pick. And um, for a while, people have been saying, oh, well, it's, you know, it can't be Bob. It's got to be somebody else. They'll look for somebody else. Well, it's going to be Bob. Um you know, I don't know if you uh, if you have any uh, reaction to this, Ken. What do you think? I mean, kind of the reaction that you mentioned that I heard for a long time. Well, Bob doesn't want it. He, he just wants to go back to the CFO role. And so this is a, a bit of a mild surprise to me. I'm not shocked or anything, but I'm kind of wondering if there was truly a change in heart or w what the case may be. Uh, that said, I'm not surprised to see the interim CEO of a company like Intel named CEO eventually. Just mm -hmm. in this case, I didn't necessarily think uh, that Bob Swan wanted it, like you mentioned. So I don't know why we're seeing the change in heart. Yeah, and the other aspect to this too is, um, you know, he doesn't have a lot of CEO experience. I guess he was CEO of Webvan, um, uh, which yeah. you know maybe has a great, uh, you know, reputation in the in the industry. Maybe it's not deserved, honestly. Um, you know, it, honestly, Webvan does still exist. It's just now part of a grocery store. Um, so um, it's it's interesting too um, from a strategic perspective. You know. By having, you know, I mean, this is the company, you know, that famously had, um, you know, techie slash business people in, in charge. And now we're going to have a financial guy in charge, um, probably not somebody who's going to be like the visionary for the company. Uh, again, reports are saying that people are going to be um, looking at um, having some of the business unit managers maybe take on some of that, you know, visionary role. Maybe that's what Intel needs to do at this point, since they're kind of a conglomerate anyway. Maybe so. Yeah, they're growing, growing so big that they need more of the business sense necessarily than the tech sense coming down from the top to just make things work properly. All right. Talking about business sense, I guess you could say we have some businessy news out of Slack. Uh, fresh off proclaiming that they have 10 million daily active users, Slack has announced, announced that they have confidentially filed to go public. If that's a bit confusing to you, just stick with us for a moment. Filing their S1 documentation with the SEC. According to prior sources from the Wall Street Journal, the company plans to pursue private listing rather than a traditional IPO. They might have the cash to finance that as the information reported that in early 2018, the company had over $900 million in cash and was pulling in $221 million in revenue annually. Given that they have added 2 million daily active users since then, there's a good chance both figures have increased. The company is reporting is reportedly seeking a $10 billion valuation and to date has raised $1 billion in venture funding. So if, Stephen, if Slack goes public in the first half of 2019, is the timing right? Or has the productivity messaging wave lost a little steam in your opinion? Well, it certainly hasn't lost a little steam from us. I think about a million of that revenue comes from uh, the Field Day group. Um, we're big, big Slack users and believers. Um, and, uh, you know, it's funny, it, it, it seems like a lot of other people are as well, though um, certainly in our space, um, we're hearing that some people are a little fed up with it, uh, looking for alternatives. Uh, you know, we got some people using Microsoft, whatever they call it. Um, and, um, you know, personally, I, I do feel like the uh, 
productivity and messaging wave from a um, marketing PR buzz sense has lost a little steam. But in terms of, um, you know, being the next thing, I don't think it has. I mean, you know, we're, they're still growing. They've got real revenues from real active users. I mean, you know, daily active users, 10 million people uh, using Slack every single day. Um, to me, this sounds like another Microsoft Office. And I think that uh, this is, I think this is good. My only question is that one thing you mentioned, what the heck is a private listing? And how are they, how do they announce that they've confidentially filed or whatever that may be? Guess what? This is confidential news. I guess it just doesn't make much sense to yeah. us, but it does to them. I guess we're, if we were financial nerds, we would know more about what this means. But uh, I suppose so. But as as tech nerds, uh, honestly, I feel like Slack is still um, is still relevant. Everybody likes to complain about um, the thing that's not the new cool thing anymore, but is now just sort of the thing. That's Slack. Yeah. So um, let let me uh, bounce back at you here with another bit of tech news. Um, so there's a new report out, a firm called Chainalysis, Chainalysis, which is a security analysis firm. Um, so we've been talking about cryptocurrency hacking and um, hijacking for a while here on the rundown. Um, so Chainalysis is claiming that 60% of all cryptocurrency hacks have done have been done by only two professional hacking groups. Um, they're calling them Alpha and Beta, and they've generated about a billion dollars in revenue. And how they did this was they analyzed the blockchain that the payments are going through, and they showed that um, you know the money is being cashed out in a predictable pattern by these two groups. Um, you know they're trying to move they move the money around quite a lot to obscure it. You know try to mix it uh, money laundering. If you've watched Ozark, you know what the, what's going on there. Um, you know so these two groups, Alpha and Beta. Alpha appears to be more sophisticated and organized. Um, they're moving the money around more frequently and more predictably. Beta is a smaller and less sophisticated organization. Um, beta is cashing out the coins in large chunks. Alpha seems more like a state-sponsored effort for this reason. Um, and they don't see, seem to be too concerned with the payouts. They're just trying to uh, to earn the, the crypto. Um, so we don't really know much about Chainalysis. They don't have an extensive track record. But assuming this is true, um, is this surprising? And do you think this will um, influence how organize, how organizations respond to crypto hacking? So I'm not sure I completely understand the story. First of all, are we talking about uh, these two alpha beta companies are hacking crypto in some way and actually stealing cryptocurrency from the rightful owners like, or like an exchange or something like that? Or are we talking about the people who basically collect crypto as the ransom for ransomware or whatever the case may be. That's what I'm kind of wondering when I read this, you know, which, which one of these two is it? If it's the, the latter, you know, then I don't know how it would really impact how organizations secure blockchain efforts because it's not undermining it. It's just using crypto and blockchain for their own ends, their own financial gain. If, however, we're talking about two companies that are basically exploiting, you know, flaws in the system, to then have these massive profits off of that. I think, yeah, absolutely. You're going to see organizations who are trying to look at blockchain implementation, they're going to take a closer look. You know, a lot of times though, we hear about things like crypto theft end up being just, you know, pure poor security controls on the part of whoever's running the exchange, for example, or something like that, and not really a flaw in the architecture of crypto and blockchain. Yeah. So as and long as you're doing it right, less to worry about. And then there was another story on crypto this week that I'm just going to jump in here with um, the loss of a bunch of uh, crypto on a Canadian uh, currency exchange. I heard about that. 
because the guy's dead and, and he and has he, died with him. Yeah. But now I'm hearing rumors that maybe he faked his death. What? Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's a new one to me. You know, yeah. He's going to carry that crypto with him and live off the grid somehow by yeah. exchanging it at those Bitcoin ATMs you see everywhere. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just going to put in a word here for my, my pals over at Trazor. They make uh, great cryptocurrency wallets and that's where, that's where my stuff is secured. All $38 worth. Mm. Congratulations on that. Yeah. So if I die, you know, find my Tracer. Well, speaking of crypto and earnings, let's talk about Google and their earnings. Uh, in their Q4 earnings, Google continued the tradition of being KG with the GCP revenue. Last year, CEO Sundar Pichai said GP, GCP revenue was around $500 million in Q4. But this year, we mostly have to parse the other venue category, which reported $6.48 billion in Q4 but that includes G Suite, hardware sales, and Google Play. The best we got here were some anecdotal uh, measures from CFO Ruth Porat, if I'm pronouncing that name right, uh, who said that the number of million-dollar and multi-year contracts on the year, 5 million paying G Suite subscribers, and an uptick in $100 million deals. So at least one more. Is Google just being cagey with a still-growing business sector, Stephen, or are they trying to hide how far behind they are in the public cloud race. I got to say, um, I'm skeptical about this whole thing. You know, I mean, you've heard about app people skeptical when Apple decided no longer to release unit numbers of iPhones. And mm-hmm. the idea is, well, that's because the carnival ride is starting to head in this direction. Um, as soon as companies break, you know, stop breaking out revenues that they used to break out and bundle it in with something called other, uh, that makes me a little bit worried. Um, also, frankly, you know, I went to, you know, Ken, we went to AWS reInvent this year. Um, what would you say the level of excitement and interest and attention at AWS reInvent was? Oh, through the roof. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was huge. Um, you know, Microsoft Azure, again, interest level very high, um, excitement very high, uh, corporate commitments and, you know, business users very high. Um, you know, Google Code. I, or Google Cloud, I'm I'm nervous that they are falling behind, and and this does not bode well for that story. And I've noticed that as well. Uh, we'll see how popular it is when we see the attendance numbers for Google Cloud next conference, which is coming up in April. But uh, yeah, it, they definitely seem to be like a distant third to AWS and Azure here in the states. And of course, you know they're probably not even registering elsewhere. Probably the other large cloud provider that would displace them internationally would be Alibaba Cloud. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's and really, I wouldn't be surprised if Alibaba was already ahead of uh, of Google Cloud. And of course, we'll never know because uh, Google's not going to tell us the actual revenue numbers. So, yep, we'll find out another I guess day. You get what you get. All right. Well, I think that just about does it for the Gestalt IT rundown. Remember, if you missed any of this episode, full episodes are available on the Gestalt IT Facebook page and YouTube. Remember to catch us live on Facebook every Wednesday at 12.30 Eastern. For more great IT content, be sure to check out gestaltit.com. That's it for now. Thanks.